Hello everybody and welcome to this latest Hearts podcast. I'm delighted to have with me Mr Tommy Taylor, who is a professional rugby player with Sale Sharks. Um, you started your career at Macclesfield Rugby Club. How did you actually get into the game? Um, family, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think I spent most of my childhood at the rugby club. I, think I remember every Saturday, Sunday, Saturday I watched my dad. He was um, an accomplished rugby player as well. Yeah, accomplished, yeah, I think he's told you to say that. <laughs> no, he was, yeah, he definitely was. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just go watch him on Saturdays. He used to spend probably all my afternoons and evenings there while he was finishing his game and in the clubhouse. Um, right. And then Sunday mornings, yeah, I used to go, go me and my brother. I think we started early when we were about four, both of us, four or five years old. Um, and yeah, loved it, kind of loved the environment. Mm. Um and yeah, didn't really look back from there really. That's okay. kind of how I got into it. And then how did you get into Sale Sharks? Because you started off at Sale Sharks before moving to Wasps and coming back to Sale Sharks. Yeah, so I think going through, playing at Macclesfield and went to uh, Kings Mac. Um, yeah. And actually, I had a few, few North trials, a few trials like kind of, you have North England trials and England trials. And I had North England trials and never got into any of the teams. Um, on that so it kind of knocked me back a little bit which I think in the long term helped me mm. um, I actually went on tour with Leicester for I think when I was about 17 when I was at school again went on tour didn't play I was too small they said right which again kind of knocked me a little bit yeah. um, and then it was my final year at school probably when I was about 18 I kind of got involved in the Sale Academy um, which looking at the, the lads who are there now, it's, it's quite late really. But they kind of pick up boys when they're kind of 14, 15, maybe earlier. Yeah. Um, and then finished uni, I uh, finished school, sorry, and kind of took a bit of a chance. I wanted to go away with my mate for a little bit, but I was like, I'm going to give this rugby thing a chance for a year. Okay. Um, didn't have a contract or anything, just was turned up at sale every day, training with the academy and stuff, trying to get that contract and managed to at the end of the year get one. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Not really that common, I think. Normally, not the traditional, not the traditional way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people will go England sixteens, eighteens, twenties, and mm. follow that path up. Um, whereas mine was a little bit more stop starty. Um, but I think in the long term, it probably helped me. It's kind of been a common theme through my career of yeah. thinking I have to prove myself all okay. the time, which I think. Help me, I think, definitely. Why the move to Wasps away from Sale Sharks? Um, I think where Sale were at the time, um, I've been involved in a few England camps by then, I think. Yes. Um, and I kind of had the realisation, one, my knowledge was pretty limited compared to a lot of their, their players. You could tell the, the coach and the talent, the clubs, and they come into that environment, they were a lot more confident, probably a lot more technical than probably yeah. than I was. Um it kind of opened my eyes a little bit that maybe that was, wasn't what I was getting at my club mm. at Sale. Um, and also, at that point, Sale were, were kind of sixth, seventh, eighth, and we were trying to finish top six one year and in and out of it, whereas I had a bit of interest in quite a few clubs, and, and Wasps was one where they were pushing for that top four playoffs. Okay. They were in the semi-final Europe and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, and I, it wasn't necessarily going there because I think I was going to, Mm. enhance my England stuff it was mm. more to play in bigger games and play in European mm. big games and the semi-finals and the finals of the Premiership um, which was the main move for me as well and I think also quite a few lads had made that transition already from Sale to yeah. to Wasps that I knew so I had quite a few friends there which, which did help to settle okay. in early on definitely and then you moved back to Sale Sharks yeah. a couple of years ago 
yeah, so last last summer it was, so I've had a season there now, so it's the second year now. Um similar story really, I think. I had five years at Wasp and we mm-hmm. we probably weren't as successful as we probably should have been. We got to two finals and a few European quarterfinals, um, but we didn't actually win anything. But it kind of got to the end of a a bit of an area like era. I went there when I think I was twenty four, you get to kind of twenty twenty eight, twenty nine and a lot of lads moved on. Mm. Um, there was kind of a bit of regi- regime change at the club. Okay. And Sale came back and they're interested. And again, Sale had a new new DOR and it mm. kind of sold it. It's really exciting and there's quite a lot of investment in the squad. So okay. similar idea, really. I kind of wanted to win something. I think okay. that's the main part of my career that I kind of wanted to okay. um, well, get some way out. You've, you've got your England cap. You've played for England. Yeah. I mean, it's a dream of most sportsmen to play for the country. What yeah. was it like running out in front of thousands of people? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was amazing to be honest. It was. It was. It was amazing. I think. I think it was the week building up to it, the kind of realization that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think um, that was the thing I remember most. And the game passes you by quite easily. I think before mm-hmm. and afterwards, get my cap afterwards and kind of being at Penny Hill Park where, where they train afterwards and I'm gonna be here with everyone with your with your cap on and stuff like that. Like that'll stick with me I think for forever. Um and I think yeah, it's one of those things where you you always want to do it but you always want more when you yeah. get it. And yeah. unfortunately that didn't happen um for numerous reasons. But yeah, very proud of the fact that yeah that I'd say you should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Um when you were at school, was there a competition for your services? Were you generally good at sport or around sport? Yeah, yeah. You I, have to be modest. Yeah, yeah <laughs> find it hard not to. But like, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, like, I really enjoyed my cricket. Yeah, um, I was quite a good batsman. Not, not that good, but I, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love my football. I love my football more now. Mm. Watching it definitely. Um, but yeah, I think. All round sports. I did from a kid. I, I played a lot of sport like tennis and stuff, and football, cricket, rugby. Obviously, um, yeah. I think it really helped me. I think like ball skills. Did you ever? Did you ever hit the heights with any of those? Did you ever play at any? No, no. no I, okay. There was kind of a choice at school. I remember I played first team cricket. I think when I was in maybe year ten. So, mm-hmm. um, and they were kind of like you kind of have to kind of have to choose between your rugby and your cricket. And mm-hmm. for me, it was. A pretty easy decision, right? Um, to pick the rugby. Um, same thing happened when I left school. I started a university degree at mm. uh, Manchester. Finished first year of that, and again they were kind of saying you have to pick between one or the other. And again, mm-hmm. I chose rugby. So, okay. um, yeah, kind of worked out well. Okay. From non-rugby playing people, want to explain your position yeah. within the game? What it actually means? What you do? Um, so yeah, I play hooker. Yeah. Um, so number two. Uh, like my dad did, my uncle did, so mm-hmm. kind of didn't really have a choice. I think. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, you're right in the middle of it. Really, you've got you kind of involve a lot of things. You're in the middle of the scrum, so you you control the scrum. That's mm-hmm. it's your kind of um, um, your domain, really. Yeah, you're throwing the line out, um, yeah. and you also kind of have to work as another back row player. So you've got to be quite quite prominent around the park and stuff. So. Um, the thing came out the other day about um, the salaries in the Premiership, and mm. and Hooker was the least paid out oh, on really? average. 
which I think is a travesty because I think we do the most work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think you, you're kind of right in the right in the middle, right in the mixer, which mm. I enjoy. That's yeah. that's kind of where I want to be and, and mm. kind of all action, really. Okay. Um, training and, and the game itself can be brutal. Um, and we the guys these days are huge mm. um, and there must be loads of injuries. I know you've had your fair share of injuries. Um do you get worried about getting injured or is it more that your family are more worried about you getting injured than you are? Yeah, my mum, definitely. I think right. my mum comes to watch a game and I think she just hides inside really. I don't <laughs> nice. think she actually watches it. Um, but I don't think there's necessarily a worry about it. I think um, we get looked after incredibly. I think I've done, I've done two, I've had two knee reconstructions and, and I think that's a six to eight month rehab job um yeah. which takes you out of the game a long time but your sole focus it's your job to focus on that knee whereas i've had mates that do it that we will be working um as an accountant or as, yeah. as something else and, and they've obviously got their jobs and then they've got to rehab their knee as well at the same time and it's yeah. you can't focus on it whereas i could focus on that 24 yeah. 7 i think that's that part of it makes it a lot easier um but I think the worrying aspect of it, I'd, I'd, I don't think so. I think there's always a bit, when you come back from long-term injury, there's always a thought, am I going to be the same player? Am I going to be a bit shy from tackling yeah. and stuff like that? But I think when it when it comes to it and you kind of get onto the pitch, it's it's something clicks. I think it's something natural um, that you don't. Um, it's the most comfortable I ever feel. Okay. It's about most confident anyway on the yeah. pitch. Um I never used to be that confident when I was a kid, but as soon as I started playing rugby and I was on the pitch, mm. you kind of grow a little bit, mm. um, which kind of I think proves what how much I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, and head injuries. I know you've you've had concussions as well yes, in yeah, the past. Yeah, um, is this a big issue in rugby at the moment? Yeah, it yeah it is a big issue to be honest. I think there's obviously there's a there's a big lawsuit going on about ex players and and yeah. Uh, early onset dementia stuff um, which is quite worrying for current players I think mm. it is but I think from when I started playing probably about 12 years ago professionally even then they were bringing in concussion protocols then um, which were quite basic but they were still there and I think it's progressed I, th I do think rugby is probably the leading light in head injuries I think you look at how football have managed it the past few years which it's almost a tick box exercise. Mm. It's, mm. You don't really see people coming off. Whereas we, especially this year, they brought in even more this year. If you get knocked out in a game or or concussed, you have to have 14 days right. off okay. completely. Yeah. Um, whereas before you could turn around in six days and play next week. Mm. Um, we've got independent doctors who aren't from each side yeah. who are there watching the game. And I'm seeing now, even if you make a tackle and you hold your head, mm. you might not have got a bang or if you hold your head, you're off straight away and then you okay. have an assessment yeah and the assessments have got more and more thorough um and it's all good it's it's yeah. it's good for the game mm. i think long term i think rugby's trying to grow globally like, and trying to increase people's um want to play and, and get new people into play because that's the only way it's going to grow you, you have rugby families like mine who are always yeah. going to play but yeah. if you've got people who maybe normally play football they're the people we want to get to get into rugby. And I think the only way to do that is to make it safer mm -hmm. um, and make it um, 
yeah, will make it safer and long term healthier. It, is it some of the schools as well? If we, we look at schools rugby, it tends not to be the it tends to be the independent schools rather than yeah. reducing the rugby player. Much the same as it is in cricket at the moment. Yeah, it is. Um, is there a, a push to get that out to all schools? Massively, I think I I play with a guy um, called Simon McIntyre, and he's he's working with the RFU at the moment actually to try and spread the game and widen the game into state schools and into maybe probably more underprivileged areas where it wouldn't have happened in, in the past. Yeah. And I think you look at the England team now um, and it's, it is a varied mix of backgrounds, um, schooling, and I think that's kind of, it's good, it's a good start, but I think, as you said, it starts at the grassroots. It starts... You can't just have people from Kings playing rugby. You yeah. need people from all sorts of schools that play sure. rugby, um, which is hard. It's a long-term fix, I think, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you put investment in into it, into it, you're going to okay. have a huge, a bigger pool of players to pick from, mm-hmm. more talent, and yeah. a better national side, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Going forward... Have you thought about what you want to do? I mean, you've probably got loads of years left in the game, but what, uh, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what have you thought about what you'd like to do afterwards? Because it can be a, a difficult transition from being a professional yeah. rugby player where you've got the rigours of training and match day and so on through to kind of what I would do normal, no, yeah, normal yeah. going to work. And no, I think, yeah, I think, I think speaking to players that have dropped out of the game maybe early or even when they're retired, I think. One of the main things they struggle with is the identity of it. So the identity of being a professional rugby player, and then that goes, and you're you're very quickly an ex rugby player. Mm. And when there's a lot of doors open when you play rugby, and those doors are shut when you, when you're an ex rugby yeah. player. Um, and I think you've kind of got to make the most of it while you're playing. So like for me, for example, I've since like I did a degree when I was probably in my early twenties, um, completed that tried loads of different little, little things um bit of surveying bit right. of um wanted to be a tree surgeon right even dabbled in dog training right. yeah that didn't work out thankfully <laughs> um, <laughs> um but now i've kind of i've kind of focused a little bit on um it's like behavioral management so i'm really interested in how people create environments mm-hmm. um and leaders create environments, how to get the best out of their employees. And that's not just in sport, it's in business. So I've done a few talks at conferences about, um, mainly about feedback and how to, um, how to get the best feedback and encourage feedback in organizations. Because in, in, in our, in my world, in professional sport, we have an unbelievable amount of feedback every single day. We have yeah. GPS. Yeah. We have videos. We go home, we've got an app where, we can watch training and the coaches can comment on training when you're at home um, right. and what you've done and stuff like that. There's a huge amount of feedback. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you need that amount of feedback in mm-hmm. an office environment like this, yeah. but I think if you can create a, a psychologically safe environment where somebody can give somebody some constructive feedback and they mm-hmm. take it well, mm-hmm. um, I think it's beneficial for, for okay. the company and and, and, Very good. And, uh, and make it more efficient and enjoyable I think, yeah. 
do the rigours of training get you down? Because you must have to do it all the time. Well, how many days a week? I don't know how many days a week you train. Um, and it must be tough every day going out in the winter, freezing cold, pouring with rain. Yeah. Does it bother you? It doesn't bother, like, a lot of the lads don't like pre-season. I love pre-season. I, yeah. I do, I really like it. But obviously there's, there's parts where it's midwinter, mm. And especially as a forward, you're going out for our scrum and line-out sessions where yeah. it's very physical and you have to be on it every single day. Like, mm. talk about the feedback, that mm. is, you can't really have a day off because there's mm. so much competition. Mm. So where about at, at Sale now, we've we've got three hookers in my position and one of them is South African um, hooker who's probably the best hooker I've played with or played against. I think I rate him so highly. And then we've got a young lad who's starting for Scotland at the moment. So mm-hmm. my level of competition at the moment is is pretty big. Yeah. So I know that every single day I have to turn up and I have to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the older you get, the more you realise you have to do that, I think, um, to make the most of it. But the actual physical aspect of it is fine because they, they, they do look after you now, I think. Okay. Five, six years ago, probably not. Whereas... We mentioned the um, the head knocks and the concussion. Yeah, yeah. All our contact training has dropped massively. Like we would never do like live training really, like full 15 on 15, like a game in training. It's more, it's a lot more controlled. Mm. Um, and that all happens at the weekend. So um, okay. that part of it's okay. a lot more controlled, a lot better. What does success mean to you? What makes you tick? Um, Tough question. I think success, I think, for me, is more of a feeling. I think I feel success. I feel, say if I feel successful, I feel, um, when I'm feeling empowered, when I feel kind of, we talk about in the flow a little bit, mm. um, and you don't have to think about it so much. And I think that's when I feel I'm at the best. Mm. Um, and that's what creates my best performances and that's when I'm most successful, when I'm not necessarily thinking about little things or little technical things. I've just started to think, I, I've got like those, I always put a little strapping around my arm with initials of my family on it and then this season I've, I've just put a little smiley face on my arm there just to look down and be like, you've got to enjoy this because I feel like when I'm enjoying it, I'm kind of in that state, I'm in that flow and I'm more successful, I'm more, I perform better. Mm. Um, so I think it's that enjoyment, and I think you can only really get enjoyment when you're being empowered by your leaders, yeah. by giving the responsibility. Um, and I think for me, that's that's kind of what works for me. We normally end our um, our podcast with a quick fire round. Yeah. So for you, local pub or city centre bar? Local pub, yeah. Um, Time with the family or time with teammates? <laughs> family, I'll say family. Yeah, family definitely. I've got I've got two little kids now, so yeah, that's very very fulfilling. I, I absolutely love it. And the teammates come a close second. <laughs> depends on what mood I'm in. Yeah, if we're, if we're we're out for a few drinks, maybe teammates. But um, yeah, family. I think yeah. it's also nice. To see, I've I've come back up here. Um, also, my mum and dad are up here. My brothers live just around the corner from me and mm. my grandparents and stuff. So that's, yeah, that's a lovely part of it. And finally, Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss or Boris Johnson? 
or neither, or none. Um, got to give Liz, Liz Trust a bit of time. Um, not Boris for me. Um, I'd have to say Liz because she's not enough time yet to see how she gets on. Brilliant. Yeah. Tommy Taylor, thank you very much indeed for joining us. No worries. And uh, we look forward to speaking again soon. Yeah, thank, thank you very much indeed. Please get in touch with us on 01625 669 669 or visit our website at heart-ltd.com.